Welcome to a miniature episode of Seemingly Ordinary. In this episode, I'd like to give a big shout out to Antoinette Ishmael, or Ish as she's known around our school, just for being such an excellent teacher of both debate and literature. But of course, she's also helped with many other things, such as theater and contest debate. One of the most amazing things that I think Ish does is she really does teach students to look at things from a wide variety of angles. This was how I was trained, how I was taught when I became a teacher myself back in the 90s when I was teaching college English, which I did for about 20 years. It was really important for us to teach students how to look at any given issue from Maybe not just two sides, but possibly from three sides or five sides or even more. The idea wasn't to lose ourselves in a blizzard of perspectives. It was to genuinely consider what issues might be at play. Just a simple example, let's say that a person is trying to figure out what career to do for their life. Well, maybe after taking some personality tests and taking kind of a look at their childhood and what things appealed to them up until roughly, say, the age of 12, maybe after doing some interest inventories and doing a little bit of exploring, a person might narrow things down to roughly, say, five options. Let's say that this is somebody in math and science, and so they are thinking, gosh, I could be some kind of an engineer or I could be an architect, or I could be a computer programmer. And the list kind of can go on from there. One, two, three, four, five options might be appropriate for this person. I suppose other people always knew what they wanted to do. My dad always knew that he wanted to teach and coach. He figured that out at a certain age, I think roughly about 18. It just hit him like a thunderbolt. He knew that's what he wanted to do. But it's been my experience with people that at least half of the population is not so lucky. And so oftentimes a person really does need to explore. Well, I feel that in our larger culture, this does not happen. I think sometimes people are looking for the perfect career rather than a career that could actually work. And again, I feel like this this looking for a perfect answer when life is not perfect spills over into other fields. It it spills over into, for example, say, issues of politics or social concerns. And and I don't think that that is advantageous. There are some things that maybe everybody can agree on. You know, for example, that life is good and that we should try to save other people's lives. That could be something perhaps that maybe everybody agrees on. But there are plenty of issues. When I was teaching college English, you could center on, should we legalize gambling in our state? Um, You know, what should we do in terms of gun control? Maybe we're in favor of some guns, but maybe not everybody needs, you know, an atomic bomb, for example. What's the limit on firepower that a person might have? Uh, Free speech was also kind of a good example. I tend to be 100% in favor of free speech for a wide variety of reasons, but what to do about free expression? You know, for example, can you show, not to be too crude, can you show uh, extremely explicit films, things that are not even R-rated or NC-17 rated, but worse, can you show these on ordinary television, should you? Um, There's just all kinds of questions that can revolve around these issues. And so that is one of the great things about Ish, 
is that she teaches people to look at both sides of an issue if there are two sides. Sometimes it's three sides, sometimes it's four sides. Now, this also causes a person to do many other good things. Instead of just operating on instinct, a person actually, a student in her class, actually has to think. And they actually have to research. And they might have to look at articles written by people who are on opposing sides of a particular issue. Ish will also stress that people need to be skeptical. And by skeptical, I don't mean you reject every idea that comes your way. I mean be skeptical, which means that you look at things and you consider and you wonder, hey, part of this could be true, part of this might not be true. I used to say to students that you are looking to affirm, qualify, or refute arguments that you hear from other people. Another great thing I think that Ish does is she helps people, including herself, change their minds. If all of this reading doesn't change your mind in some way, shape, or form, Perhaps you are missing out. There was a famous economist who one time said, when the facts change, I change my mind. What do you do, sir? I think that is a good approach toward life. When so many people just dig in their heels and they are very, very obstinate about things and when facts don't appeal or facts don't matter, I don't think that we're in a good position in our society, perhaps across the world. Maybe this is a phenomenon that is going across the world. Finally, while it seems like I'm saying, hey, we should land on both sides of every issue and we should be totally indecisive, Ish actually teaches people to be decisive because after you do your research, after you approach questions with skepticism, after you look for what you can affirm, refute, or qualify, after you change your mind, you do need to make a decision. You do need to decide what career am I going to settle on, for example. You might be able to do two careers at once, but very, very few people do this. With an essay, you probably do want to come to some kind of conclusion. And I think that is something that she teaches, and I think that that is a wonderful personality trait for people to have a good habit of mind. It shows that a person has a trained mind. Finally, I think this level of what they used to call critical thinking, you really don't hear that word, that, that string of words so much anymore. And for me, that's sort of a disappointment. Um, I think it's a tragedy of our era that we don't hear those words out loud as much as we used to. The point of all this is to not be indoctrinated. It's actually to be able to think, to think for yourself. When I was a college instructor, I really vowed very strongly to let students look at things from multiple points of view. I didn't want to indoctrinate them. I saw that going on in other people's classes. I found that to be highly disturbing. I taught for 20 years, and sure enough, you would see some instructors who would think that a multitude of issues only has one point of view. And if you do not agree with the instructor, then you happen to be wrong. This, to me, was the exact opposite of what a university was intended to do. A university was meant to expand knowledge, to increase our understanding of the world. It was to do research. Uh, you could look at the scientific field, for example, and science believed that you should question everything. The whole scientific method involved posing questions, coming up with a way to research or to test or experiment with those questions, and then to draw conclusions, but then the best part 
of any scientific method that I ever saw was after you came to a conclusion, you listed where could I be wrong? What are my errors? Uh, what tolerance uh, do I have to have? For example, we could be one to two percent off, or we could might be more off. Um, and, and you would see this all the time. People would take polls, but then they would say, maybe we didn't sample enough people. Maybe we didn't sample a big enough variety of people. That was the best part. Posing a question, testing the question, coming to some sort of conclusion, and then understanding that the conclusion was provisional, that it might fall apart later, pending more evidence. Just a very simple example of this in science is you could look at the Newtonian laws of physics, things along the lines of for every action there is an equal but opposite reaction. Newtonian physics works great. You can use it to build cars and to build airplanes and to do all kinds of wonderful things. However, Einstein then comes along a little bit later and says things don't seem to operate that way um, when we approach the speed of light then very, very interesting, crazy things starts to happen. Space begins to bend. Time does tricky things. Uh, things get very complicated. It doesn't mean that we can't know what's going on, but there's a humility to all of this. There's an understanding that we have knowledge and it's very strong and it works very, very well. However, we don't know everything. Every field has a frontier. Maybe that's my most important belief that I should just put out there. Every field has a frontier. I majored in mathematics. You would think math is simple. Two plus two equals four, right? Math has its frontiers. Math has problems that people have never been able to solve, ever, anybody. These problems don't appear to have an answer that we can solve. They appear to have an answer, but we can't get to them. A second thing that should be said about math is math always starts off with what they call axioms, also called postulates, which are basically statements that we cannot prove. We would start off geometry with 15 of these type of statements. I don't want to bore people too much with this, but here's a simple example. They would say things like, for every two points that exist, you can draw one but only one line through those two points. These statements were considered to be obvious, but however, they were not considered to be provable. Everybody had to start off with an assumption of some kind. In math, in geometry, it was 15 assumptions. And you had these 15 assumptions, and they, they seemed obvious, but you had to start somewhere. So everybody was acknowledging up front, we are making these 15 assumptions. These assumptions don't have proof. If you decided, oh, I do want to prove these assumptions, and then you came up with different axioms so that you could prove those assumptions, that just simply meant that now you've created different assumptions and you probably still wound up with roughly about 15 things that were just considered to be axiom postulates, in other words, assumptions. Um, so these were the habits of mind that I think Ish helps people explore. And she does a far better job of it than I could possibly outline in this podcast. I think she also gets into things like fallacies of reasoning which are wonderful to know. You can look them up. There are all kinds of fallacies that are, that are just helpful for people to see because when people make arguments, sometimes they engage in these. And for example, there are overgeneralizations. Things might be true for a lot of people, but they're not necessarily true for everybody. It's okay to generalize, but it's not okay to overgeneralize. 
And there are many more. There are many more fallacies of reasoning which we could list. So just hats off to Ish for a lifetime of teaching people wonderful habits of mind, wonderful thinking skills. And I didn't get into this into this little episode, but also just a love of literature, a love of reading, a love of exploring, a love of conversation, a love of embracing other people and trying to understand them, uh, to understand that people are more important than ideas, that ultimately we must love and cherish every person. We must understand that every person is irreplaceable. Every person is a gift. Every person matters. And that this is just more important than ideas. Somebody could hold ideas that you disagree with, but it doesn't take away from their personhood. And these are many of the wonderful things that Ish has done over a very long period of time. And I was grateful to interview her. That is the conclusion of this miniature episode. And I will be back with somebody new on Tuesday.